Okay, I'd like to talk this morning with you about um, about leaving Egypt. After Yisiat Mitzrayim, what was the plan? Of course, Yisiat Mitzrayim was to achieve freedom, to get that Herut. Pesach, of course, is Ziman Herutenu. But after we leave Egypt, so what's the plan? What's the direction for Am Yisrael in their future endeavor, in their path and journey through the Midbar? So the vantage point I'd like to take to address this is by noticing and realizing the first let's call it interaction with God in the Midbar. Of course, there are many, of course, there are many before, but the first that the Torah calls attention to, and that's in the context of our first meal, that's in the context of the man. (coughs) And without reading the Pesukim yet, I'd like to envision the scene through the eyes of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Gemara in Masechet Yoma here in source number one, and Dafayin Vava Mudal. So here's the words in the Gemara, Sha'alu Talmidavit Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. So the students of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai ask him, Mipene ma lo yarad lahem li Yisrael man pa'am echat bashana. Why was it that the man didn't just fall one time for Am Yisrael in the Midbar? Of course, the question, of course, would be, why yes? What's the difference between if it falls daily or if it falls once? But that was the question. Maybe it would make it easier. Maybe you'd just have the man. You wouldn't have to go out and collect it every day. If you have the money in the bank already, it makes it easier for you, and you'll just draw. Of course, there's a detriment to that, and the answer could have been simply, then you'd have to carry it along the way. But regardless, the question is more, in my mind, setting up the answer. Amar him, says Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai to his students, Em lachem mashal, any good answer in rabbinic theology and thought starts with a mashal, with a parable, with a story. What's it similar to? Basar vadam lo ben echad. Imagine it as a king who has just one son. Pasak lo If the father and so it was in this story that never happened, decided I'll put the money into the bank account of the son, I'll hand him the check once a year so that he has the money, has the, provides the sustenance for him throughout the year. He comes to visit his father only once a year to collect his money, to, to receive his uh, food for the year. Amadu pasak King therefore decides I'll every day set forth how much he'll eat, give him his uh, daily allowance. And as a result, the child, every single day, had to come greet his father, speak with his father. Af Yisrael, of course, in turn, says Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, that's Yisrael in the Midbar, in the desert with God. person who had four or five children, they would on a daily and consistent basis be nervous and concerned and say, lo yered man Perhaps tomorrow morning. Perhaps tomorrow there won't be any man. Perhaps tomorrow I won't get my meal. And as a result, my children will die of starvation. Nimsu as a result of that, Kulan et Libam It brought us to a constant mindful state of God's involvement with us in the desert, which means to say the first meal and in turn the 40 years of meals in the Midbar were purposed to bring about, and here's the word I would use and do use in this context and others, vulnerability for the people, a healthy vulnerability, a feeling of dependency and understanding that I'm now establishing a relationship with God and as a result I need to understand it's not something that I can or should take for granted that my food will be here tomorrow. I need to wake up and be nervous the food might not be here, but it was here the last week and the last year and the last 39 years I still have somewhere in my subconscious that tinge, that feeling that it might not be here. 
which means to say, and this will be the direction and vantage point for the rest of the class, for me, and I see it addressed by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the initial stages leaving Egypt, a relationship with God is built through a healthy feeling of vulnerability. I think any healthy relationship certainly is. Rami knows that there's a word, a word that I use in the context of everything. I remember the first time he heard me use it, it came back. Of course, I used it 16 times in a, in a speech in, uh, in, in, in Knees during the summer, and he came back and he said, I just have one question on the speech. So I said, what's that? He said, what does the word vulnerability mean? Oh, there it is. All right, anyway, but since then you've learned it, I guess. I've said it enough. But that's what it is. That's what the man was. That, in my mind, was the entire, the trials, the travails, everything through the desert was about a healthy relationship, which is through vulnerability. Well, like, do you so, think that people all the time really felt it or do they feel like sun comes up the man comes it's a great question. I'm not certain. Um, I think, and that's why I said in the subconscious, I think they had to feel it a little bit. I think even though it's coming in every day, there still needs to be a doubt, but what if tomorrow is different? And I, go ahead. No, no, please. They were brazen because the Mitlonanim, they were complaining. So I'm getting to the Mitlonanim right now, but, but what Jeffrey will say is the Mitlonanim is in the initial stages. And that what I can tell you is regardless, and that's what we'll see actually in, in just a second, I'll, I'll bring you to that right now. No, it's, it's uh, you know, if you take a look, for example, um, I'll skip you to source number nine before everything. Source number nine is a description. It's Pasuk Yod Zayin through Chaf What's that? That's six, seven Pesukim in Perek Tet of Bimidbar. It's in Parashat the Ha'alot Echa. Of course, Ha'alot Echa begins our march through the desert. That's where we have uh, the Am beginning to, to move. And the Pesukim redundantly, again and again and again, repeat. Good morning, doctor. Uh, there's this description of, uh, they just go based on the word of God, on the mouth of God. So, Jeffrey, the description then is they're constantly looking, and it's true, we know we're moving. We don't know if we're moving today, we don't know if we're moving tomorrow, we don't know if we're moving. Unless the Pesukim go into. I'll read it to you just so you get the, the picture, because you're right, maybe the man at some point got in that message stale upon them, but uh, in its initial, initial stages, it certainly, and we'll read that in a second, was effective. Uh, here's, in source number nine, We followed the cloud. All right, so far, so good. It could have been one pasuk. Maybe two pasuk. Would have been sufficient. If you want to tell the story over here, you tell the story in two sentences. We followed the cloud. Based on the cloud, we moved. Based on the cloud, we stopped. We just, we looked at them. Sometimes the Anan would be situated for a long time. We would follow. We would safeguard the word of God. Sometimes it was a few days. Sometimes it was from evening until morning. Or alternatively, it was day and then night. And then at night we started moving. What's that? Esh at night. Okay, the point though is Sometimes it was one way, another time it was another way. Sometimes it was two days. I mean, you get the point, but it's repeating. That, in my mind, is a healthy state of vulnerability. That's, I don't know where I'm going, but I do have a trust 
that someone is leading me in an appropriate direction. So I think somewhere in their subconscious, their food is coming in in such <coughs> a fashion as well. In truth, it's the very beginning. That's, that's, that's as we start stepping out into the desert, as we begin our journey, we're right away, and we know this throughout, plagued by complaints. What are those complaints really all about? So everyone always says it's about not having water. Not so simple. The first complaint that Parashat Beha'alot Echad describes is a complaint without any clear context, without telling you that source number two, Bemidbar Perik Yodal, Pasuk Aleph through Pasuk Gimal, Vayhi Ha'am Kimot Onenim Ra Beoznea Adonai. The nation were complaining. What were they complaining about? We never find out. We only find out afterwards in the next stage that they're complaining about the food. At this point, they're just complaining. Says Rashbam in source number three, Mitzta'ari mitora haderech. They are, they have sorrow, uncomfortable from Torah haderech litroach, means to burden. It's the burden of the path. What was so hard about their journey? They're just a few days, a few months out of Egypt. What's bothering them? The answer in my mind is, it's uncomfortable to not know when I'm leaving, to not know where I'm going. Yes, I have the trust. Yes, I know who's leading me. That's, that's, that's difficult. That's something I can't wrap my head around. The first complaint then, the first complaint then is one in which I don't know where I'm going. I don't know when I'm going. That is vulnerable, uncomfortable, but healthy and appropriate. It's choreographed. That's what we're set up for. They know the end goal is Harsinai. They know it's Harsinai, the Ta'abdunai Ta'ilim They know they're getting to Harsinai, and they know the plan is then to get into Eris Israel, which, by the way, they shortly after find out they're not, and they really don't know where they're going. But they know, But and, and I, it's a little hard, but not that hard. I mean, imagine you're uh, not so difficult. It's kind of, when you're stuck on an airplane and you know where you're going but you don't know when you're taking off that's it, that's it I mean, in, in a much smaller I know, but it's the greatest example I walked into this one, it's the best example how terrible is that feeling? it's a terrible feeling, I know where I'm going I know I'm going to get there I don't know when I'm going and I don't know how I'm getting there it's just very difficult but I have the trust but there's still that vault that's, that's what I see taking place throughout. That's the next episode, right afterwards in Parashat Beha'alotecha. And this is a description, we have this from Parashat Beshalach as well. This is the beginning, this is what I told you. We began the class talking about man. Here's the man. What's our complaint about the man? We have food, it's coming daily. Ve'ata, on the second line, two words before the end of the line, nafshenu yevesha, our souls are dry, in kol, we don't have all bilti el haman enenu. Our eyes are only on the man. <coughs> Says Rashi, the man was there in the morning and the man was there in the evening, which means it got boring to look at. That's one approach. Alternatively, all we're doing is looking for the man. Good morning. All we're doing is looking for the man. Looking for the man does not feel good. Wondering where my next meal is coming from and how it's coming and if it's coming just doesn't feel good. In truth, their description as well of what we enjoyed there at the beginning of the second line is they describe We remember the dacha. What's dacha? Fish of some sort. The Gemara has many different opinions. 
Maybe. We've got the Gemara and Masechet Yoma has a lot of opinions. Simple is, it's fish. That's a simple interpretation. They're reminiscing about being slaves, but what they like about it, Hinam. What's Hinam? Hinam means for free. Says Rashi, really for free? Says Rashi, they didn't get Tevim. They didn't get the, uh, the appropriate uh, uh, crops to make their bricks for free. They got free fish? I mean, maybe they got fish, but they had to work for it. Ramban describes it as a circumstance where you're working next to the Nile and you're probably trapping the fish for the Egyptians, and the worker man is allowed to eat a little bit along the way, so they threw them some of the sardines along the way you could eat them. But what's Hinam? What's, they're calling it out. That was a better life? Says Rashi, it's Hinam min ha-misvot. We didn't have to do the misvot. It's a little anachronistic. We didn't get the Torah yet. What mitzvot are we referring to? It's the same point. Don't no be. Vulnerability. That is exactly the point. No vulnerability in Egypt. Now in the desert, vulnerable mitzvah by definition means I'm misuve, I'm commanded, I'm just following something. I don't know exactly where it's going and I know I need to abide and I need to be looking at it. Biltiel Haman Enenu, that's where I'm headed. In Egypt, I didn't have such a thing. I but had a. Of course. Unpredictability, dependability. That's right. For me, it's the same thing. Maybe vulnerability is too big a word, you know. But it's just one of my it's one of my go tos on this. Um, yes, unpredictability, which again, you see, unpredictability is a state of being. Vulnerability is a feeling. That's right. The discomfort, but a deep rooted discomfort. But again. You might argue, and I understand if you argue this way, it's inappropriate, it's wrong. That's not how a relationship should be built. If done appropriately, if there's a trust, if there's an understanding, I know where it's coming. I know where I'm headed, but I don't know exactly how. Oh, that keeps me on my toes. That keeps the relationship ripe, keeps the relationship true, and keeps feeling and description to it through and through, to just give you a little bit more of a broader context for this, I'll, br- I'll draw some of, in my mind, well-known parallels between B'nai Israel first in Egypt and then in the Midbar and the Abraham Avinu. So if you pay attention, the t- Pesukim described, I put in source number six, side by side, the Pesukim first by Abraham and then side by side B'nai Israel. I'm sure many others draw this parallel, but it's always stood out to me. Vahira Avba'ar, it's at the very beginning of Abraham's life, beginning of Parashat Lech Lecha, there's a family in the land. He makes his way down to, of course, Egypt. And of course, we know that word from the Haggadah. means not to stay there, but to just be there for a short period of time. It's because the famine is strong. It's heavy in the land of Canaan. Those words through and through reappear in B'nai Israel's second or third coming to Egypt. When Am Yisrael begins, the brothers of Yosef, the Hara'av Kaved Ba'aretz in Bereshit, Perek Mem Gimel on the left-hand side. And then when the brothers of Yosef appear in front of Paro, what do they say to him? They say there's Kaved Hara'av Be'aretz Kenan, it's the heavy, difficult famine. And what are we interested in doing? Lagur Ba'aretz Banu. Those are the words we read in the Haggadah. We're just here to hang out a little bit. Same words as Abraham. That's when the Shi'bud starts. So you have the beginning, the kernel with Abraham, and then you have it repeating itself, which again happens all the time in the Torah. 
and it might be, and it is for some striking and hard to swallow. How could it be that history repeats itself in such a clear and specific way? But think about your own life. I imagine, I certainly can tell you in my own, the more you do and the more success you find, the more you look back and realize how many people, and usually your parents, have reached there in their own ways before you. We're really just continuing, we're changing coordinates, we're maybe forwarding it a little bit. Ultimately speaking, we're walking, not always, but generally speaking, in very similar paths to the principles and foundations which were set, down, set for us beforehand. Abraham begins it. Am Yisrael are only going to continue it. My purpose in showing this is not only to show this history repeats itself, okay. it's to understand from the life of Abraham or what's it all about. Well, here it is. Abraham then makes his way into Egypt, and we all know the story. Sarah is taken by Paro, and the Pasuk says, Paro is plagued, great and heavy, difficult plagues. And those words, nega and negaim, appear throughout Yitzhiah Mitzrayim. The makot are referred to countless times as nega vayomer Adonai on the left-hand side from Shemot, Perek Yod Aleph, El Moshe, od nega echad avi al paro Mitzrayim. There it is, okay, these are nega'im. That is what ma'aseh avot siman labanim means. Exactly, a hundred is kenega, nirali babayit. But that's it, that's about the story. When Ramban uses those words in his commentary to the Torah, what he's referring to a time and again is, look at Abraham and then realize it happening again. He doesn't always draw the neat parallels, but he has it in mind and he'll draw parallels. And then Abraham leaves, he's sent out from Paro. So again, he went down, Kaved Hara'av Lagur Ba'aretz. He nigaim the plagues to the Egyptians or to Paro. We have history repeating itself. And then as Abraham sent out, he sent out with Son, Bakar, Hamorim, Avadim, Shahot, Atonot, Malim. He sent with a great abundance of wealth. Of course, we know this from Yisiyah Misraim as well. We turn to the Egyptians and we're sent out with an abundance of wealth. We don't leave as regular slaves with not a penny and a dime to your name, but rather we're left with plenty of wealth on our way out throughout the desert. We have animals, we have gold, we have silver, just like Abraham. And then Paro demands. He doesn't just send Par- um, Abraham away. He commands people and he commands and demands that they send him away, which of course is the identical words and description of Paro and B'nai Israel. He's been afflicted. He's been plagued so much that he demands So it is again and again and again the same story. So what does that mean for us? First and foremost, as Charles used the words but for our purposes, it's to realize and understand what was that journey of Abraham. If we're just repeating the journey of Abraham, well what was Abraham's life all about? Abraham's life, in my mind, was all about from its beginning statements through the end, Lech Lecha. What does Lech Lecha go out? Where are you going to? I don't know. So what are you following? I'm following God. I'm searching for God. I'm in a direction in which I'm uncertain where I'm going, but I have an idea of what's at the end over there. Vulnerability, unpredictability, mission, plan, destination in mind. 
but trajectory and actual coordinates, not too certain. It's the words of God to Abraham, Lech lecha, me'asecha, mimoladcha, avicha, and those words reappear in Parashat Beha'alotecha. Again, Hovav, the father-in-law of, of, of Moshe, is, Moshe turns to him and says to him, Dad, could you come with us? Or, father-in-law, could you come with us? And his response is, not so fast. Why not? If you look in source number eight, the words are, if you take a look in the second line in the middle, ki'im. I'm going to my land and to my birthplace. Identical words to the Abraham. What's the promise of Moshe? What's the request of Moshe? Lecha itanu. Come with us. Walk with us. Why do we want you to walk with us? Uh, well, come with us to the makom, to the place which God determined, because God has promised good. But we want you to be walking with us. Which means to say the mission for us in the desert, which his father-in-law seemingly can't wrap his head around. Why would you step into that? If I have a life which is stable, predictable, comfortable, why would I step into that? That's the vision, that's the description to the extent that our greatest failure in the desert (coughs) is a repetition as well of the flip side, the contrast of Abraham, right after the spies return. And we're told we're not entering into the land of Canaan all that quickly. So there's a group of people, large group of people, it sounds like from the Torah, they're known as the Ma'apilim, the end of Parashat Shelach. And they try to push forward into the land of Israel at the time. And the Pesukim describes exactly their words, it's in source number 11, Vayashkimu Baboker. They wake up in the morning. Necessary detail? Well, I'll tell you why it's a necessary detail, because we know someone else. We know Abraham in source number 10. Abraham vayashkem, Abraham baboker, he wakes up in the morning. Vaya'alu el rosh hahar, they go to the top of the mountain. Abraham goes to ha-teharim asher lemor, and they're saying, hinenu, here we are. Abraham, Abraham vayomer, hineni. Ve'alinu, where are we going? El hamakom asher amar Adonai, to the place which God has told us. Which means to say they are stating, in contrast to Abraham, Abraham just follow. Abraham just find, follow, not blindly, you have a general direction. They say, we are going to that place. Inappropriate. It's when we overstep our relationships, when we demand and command of the other, when we turn to God and we say, here's how it's going to look. That's the ma'apilim piecing it all together and bringing us back to the initial source of the man, the question is, we're leaving Egypt. We're on our way to freedom. What does freedom look like? What does a deep and, and, and enduring relationship with God look like? How do we experience relationships with others, but specifically with God in our life? The answer has to be the paradigm of the Midbar. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai told it to us best. He says, the reason we got man every day is to keep a certain sense of vulnerability. The reason we extended, we didn't know when we were leaving, is to keep a certain extent the vulnerability. I'll conclude with this. There's another well-known statement, not in Gemara, but in Midrash, from the same Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's enigma, it's a mysterious statement. It goes like this, Lo Torah lidrosh ela haman. Those who get to study and accept, receive the Torah, those who eat or ate the man. 
What does that mean? Does it mean you and I are not able to understand and explain and receive the Torah? Those are the two statements of Bishimon by Yochai, the one that we began the class with, and that other one. I would suggest it goes as follows. It has nothing to do with eating man. It has nothing to do with the physical consumption of man in the desert. It has to do with understanding what the man was in our own lives. It has to do with why am I observing Torah? What's my relationship with God like? Is it one in which I'm demanding and I'm determining every step of the way? Or alternatively, is there a certain healthy sense of vulnerability. If you're truly living a life of Torah, if you're living a life of meaning with relationship with others and with God more specifically, it's one in which I understand it won't and can't always be comfortable, predictable, and devoid of vulnerability. It's one instead in which I have to be on that mission of lech lecha, searching for that makom without fully knowing where it is, accepting that the man might not be there in the morning, but I expect it to be. So I have a certain sense of bitahon, of emu in God that it will be there if you will but ultimately speaking I don't have a certainty that's the Ochle Haman that's the relationship which was envisioned for us following in the footsteps of Abraham one of vulnerability healthy dependability Baruch Adonai Amen